G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David Brown and I'm one of the ministers at St. John's Dolby. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And so we podcast all our weekly sermons and this week's sermon is on Matthew chapter 17 verses 1 to 9, often called the Transfiguration. And the reading goes like this. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James and John the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Enjoy the sermon. The Transfiguration is one of the strangest and most wonderful events in the Bible. In our church calendar, the Transfiguration comes after Epiphany, a season where we remember the wisdom of the Magi who visited Jesus and the light from the star that guided them. We celebrate the Transfiguration on the Sunday before Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. Lent is a season of fasting, prayer, and focusing on Jesus and his journey towards the cross. The transfiguration acts as a hinge or a catalyst, putting a full stop on Epiphany and preempting Ash Wednesday and the beginning of Lent. It's like that moment at the beginning of a roller coaster when you go suddenly and calmly up and up and up, and all of a sudden you're at a high point looking down. The transfiguration is a high point in Matthew, literally and physically, because for just a moment, Jesus reveals his glory to his closest friends on a mountaintop. They can't quite understand its significance at first, but they know it's wonderful. I love the transfiguration because it has so many layers of meaning. On one level, it's a ripper yarn, a great story of an amazing mountain climb. On a slightly different level, in the transfiguration, we get a little taste of what heaven is like. And if we dig down one more layer, we come across the realization that in this account, Matthew is inviting us into the story. God is calling us up the mountains and into the valleys of life with him. It's a challenging passage of scripture. So let's dive in and take a look at this ripper yarn. The story of the transfiguration doesn't start in Matthew 17. We know this because in verse 1 we read after six days. This is the continuation of Matthew's much bigger account of Jesus' life. In the previous 16 chapters, Matthew has been showing us that Jesus is the Messiah, God's chosen saviour of the world. To do this, he tells us how Jesus healed the broken, fed the hungry and challenged the closed-minded. Matthew 9.35 is a good summary of the story so far. 
Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. This is wonderful, and exactly what we'd expect Matthew to do for us if he's trying to prove Jesus' credentials. In Matthew 16, however, the tone changes. Here Jesus asks his mates who they think he is, and his best mate, Peter, replies, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter gets Jesus, but then comes something unexpected. Here Matthew tells us, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. This is not how messiahs were meant to behave. So Peter rebukes him, saying, This will never happen to you. And Jesus responds, Get behind me, Satan. Six days later, we see Jesus taking Peter, James, and John, his closest friends, up a mountain. While on the mountain, the Bible tells us that Jesus was transfigured before his disciples, and his face became like the sun, and his clothes as white as light. Something big is going on, and all of a sudden, shiny Jesus is joined by two celebrities, Moses and Elijah. Peter has no idea what to do or say, so he says to Jesus, how about we set up camp for the night, and perhaps I can turn you three into a tourist attraction. But all of a sudden, a cloud gobbles them up and says, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. The disciples are awestruck and fall flat on their faces in fear and worship. But Jesus taps them on the back and says, get up, don't be afraid. And all of a sudden the cloud and the famous dead guys are gone and they're all alone with Jesus. As they come down from the mountain, Jesus tells them to keep this awesome encounter a secret until he's dead and risen. At this point, I'm going, whoa, hold up, what's just happened? Shining Jesus, dead guys from hundreds of years before, and a big voice from a shiny cloud. What's going on? The transfiguration is a ripper yarn. But what are we to make of it? How should we apply this passage? Well, before we jump into the next level of the text, I just want to offer two quick, easy ways you can apply this passage. The first is to hang around with Jesus long enough, and you'll find that he'll take you on adventures. The disciples Jesus takes with him are some of Jesus' closest friends. If you're here today in church, then you're setting yourself up for an encounter with Jesus. Most of our lives are spent on the plains of life, doing jobs, making dinner, or looking at our phones. But as you spend more time with Jesus, it's only a matter of time before he calls you into an experience which will help you understand more about yourself. Spend time with Jesus and he will amaze you. The second easy application is go for walks. So many of us spend our time cooped up in offices, living rooms or cars, concentrated on our own things. When we get out and walk, exercise and breathe fresh air, we come into contact with new people. 
We have an opportunity to see God in nature. And we have the opportunity to be transformed. Walking, exercising is good for the body and the soul. And we should make time for it in our daily lives. Now let's dig a little deeper into this reading. Apart from being an entertaining story, the transfiguration gives us a slice of heaven. So far in Matthew, we've come to a realization that Jesus is 100% human. Matthew has more to say about Jesus' birth and upbringing than other sources. But here we learn that Jesus is also 100% God. Fully human, fully God. As Jesus leads his disciples up the mountain, he's doing something that has already happened in the Bible. In Exodus 24, God calls Moses up Mount Sinai along with three of his closest friends. Whilst on the mountain, Moses approaches a glory cloud and God's powerful presence is there. When Moses came down from the mountain, his face shone so brightly that he had to cover it. Matthew here is recalling for us this awesome event, but he's also showing us how Jesus' transfiguration is greater than Moses' visitation. Here it's Jesus who shines with glory. His face shines and suddenly Moses and Elijah appear. Moses was the great lawgiver and Elijah the great prophet. Moses called the people out of slavery in Egypt and into freedom in the promised land. And Elijah called the people out of slavery in sin and back to God. Both saw God work incredible miracles through them on mountains. They are the rock stars of Jewish faith. And Peter, James and John would have grown up hearing stories about these superheroes of people. It's here that it's worth pausing to point out something important. Often we hear people joke at funerals that so-and-so will now be having a beer with their mates at the pearly gates or that they'll now be reunited with family members who have died before them. It's here we see that there is truth in these sorts of statements. Here two people who lived hundreds of years before are walking and talking with Jesus. And that's something else we learn about heaven. Jesus is at the centre Heaven isn't great because of halos, harps, or because rugby is the game they play in heaven. Heaven is awesome because of Jesus. If you want nothing to do with Jesus, heaven isn't for you. In Jesus, there is healing, wholeness, and life in its fullness. As Christians, heaven isn't our goal. Jesus is. As Peter experiences this slice of heaven, he tries to savour it and make it last. He says to Jesus in verse 4, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. We don't quite know why Peter wanted to do this. Mark tells us that Peter didn't know what he was saying because he was frightened. But it seems like Peter wants to institutionalise this moment. He wants to put it in a box and keep it going. But as Peter is speaking, a cloud envelops them. And we realize that God's not interested in our shrines or the boxes we try to put him in. God's interested in meeting with us. Here he does so in a cloud. This cloud is the glory cloud. We see it throughout the Old Testament when God's power and presence turns up physically. 
In these moments, God always shows us something new about himself. You see, God is a person. He's not a cloud or some unknowable force at the end of the universe. God is a person. God is personal. And he wants to meet with us. As this cloud descends, we as readers should know that God is about to show us something new. He says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. God said something similar already in Matthew at Jesus' baptism. As Jesus comes out of the water, the Spirit of God comes down on Jesus like a dove. And a voice from heaven says, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Friends, the God we worship today is personal and he's relational. More than that, God is relationship. Before you and I, our world, or even time began, God was in the beginning as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. God is and always has been a relationship of love, affirmation, and glory. God has never been incomplete or lonely or unsure of God's self. In the reality or doctrine of the Trinity, we realize that God is totally self-sufficient, wonderfully good, and relentlessly loving. As the Father speaks at the Transfiguration, we realize that God's love, God loves and is totally happy with Jesus. He affirms what he says at his baptism and gives us a command. Listen to him. Friend, do you listen to Jesus? Do you read his word? Do you try to get to know Jesus in prayer and fasting, giving up things so you can concentrate on Jesus? Are Jesus' teachings at the forefront of your mind? Does Jesus' example inform everything you do? Is what you want for your life what Jesus wants for you? So often we reduce Jesus' voice to one of the many voices in our lives and we turn him down to a comfortable level. Here God tells us, listen to him. Listen to Jesus. In Jesus you are being invited into the very presence of God. This is our final layer today. In the transfiguration, we get a slice of heaven, but we also get an invitation to come down the mountain with Jesus. <clears throat> the transfiguration isn't the high point or the climax of Jesus' story, because we need to see the transfiguration in the light of the cross. The disciples have this awesome experience of God's presence. As they cower in fear, Jesus comes to them and comforts them. Look at verse 7. Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. Scholars have found that the word don't be afraid or something similar appears over 130 times in the Bible. Jesus says it on boats, whilst teaching, and at the tomb after his resurrection. This in itself is God speak for, I know life is scary, but when you trust me, you'll find you'll have, you have nothing to fear. It's an invitation into the presence of someone who is so powerful, wise and good that they really have nothing to fear. 
This week I was hit by two sad stories that cut a lot of us very close to home. One of them was the story of a three-year-old boy in Cairns who was left on a bus for six hours in the middle of the day. He was found dead by the bus driver who left him there. The other was the story of a Brisbane mother, Hannah Baxter, and her three children who were set on fire by her estranged husband while she strapped the children in for school drop-off. The sadness and closeness of these two stories has rocked us. Jesus' words, don't be afraid, might seem inadequate at the time, at a time like this. But, there's, but it's important to remember that the transfiguration is not the end of Jesus' story. If Jesus had stayed on the mountain doing nothing about the world's suffering, then this really would be nothing but a nice story. But every commentator I've read believes that the transfiguration should be read in light of the cross. Tom Wright puts it like this. Here on a mountain, Jesus is revealed in glory. There on a hill outside Jerusalem, Jesus is revealed in shame. Here his clothes are shining white. There they have been stripped off and soldiers have gambled for them. Here he is flanked by Moses and Elijah, two of Israel's greatest heroes, representing the law and the prophets. There he is flanked by two brigands, representing the level to which Israel had sunk in rebellion against God. Here a bright cloud overshadows the scene. There darkness comes upon the land. Here Peter blurts out how wonderful it all is. There he is hiding in shame after denying he even knows Jesus. Here a voice from God himself declares that this is his wonderful son. There a pagan soldier in surprise declares that this really was God's son. The mountaintop explains the hilltop and vice versa. As the disciples come down from the mountain of transfiguration, Jesus says in verse 9, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples couldn't get their heads around what had just happened to them. The meaning of this moment was so layered and deep. If the transfiguration in all its shiny white glory was the high point of Jesus' story, then Jesus would have nothing to say about the tragedies of our world. Sure, Jesus might be great, but does he care about the little people? In this amazing man, is this amazing man going to do anything with the divine power and affirmation he has? The answer is yes. Jesus didn't want Peter to make him a booth because this was just a moment in Jesus' rescue plan. Jesus is inviting us on a journey into the presence of God, the very heart of the one who made us. This journey stares sin and evil in the face and says, I will not bow to you and you will not win in the end. This journey is one of suffering and death, but it ends in resurrection and life. Friends, as we hold our AGM and think about our future as a church, as we meet on Wednesday to smear ashes on our heads and begin a time of repentance and reflection on the cross, our God is inviting us on a journey of transformation. 
As Jesus was transfigured, God wants to transfigure us and help us go with him from glory into glory. I didn't realize this about the transfiguration until I began to read the words of the hymns for today. There, I realized that God wants to wrap us in his amazing grace and relentless love. God wants to transform us from people who are forgetful, hateful and unkind and wants us to look more like Jesus. This is what the Christian life is about. A transformation, a metamorphosis, a transfiguration out of darkness into God's wonderful light. So friends, appreciate this ripper yarn for what it is. Enjoy this slice of heaven. But as you do, let's go on a journey through the layers of what God wants to say to us and show us about himself. Let's accept God's glorious invitation to go with him on a journey of transformation listening to Jesus and becoming more like him.